Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Dive for the Pylon podcast. I'm your host, Cole Weintraub, alongside my partner, Zach Van Arsdale. And wow, what a week of sports. So much has happened. Zach and I have been dying to make this episode. And here we are. Zach, as always, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm hanging in there. How about you? I'm doing good. Crazy week. Lots of schoolwork. But hey, we made it out. Almost. Almost there. We got tomorrow. And uh, yeah, so the James Harden trade is yesterday. I, I, I couldn't wait for today's podcast. I needed to make the video yesterday and I, I, I didn't have Zach with me, but I basically went through it. I'm a Nets fan. So that's why I'm so passionate about the topic. It's really, it's, 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 it's just crazy. Cause I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it, like I said yesterday, it can make or break the Brooklyn Nets. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll go through who was in the deal. The Nets sent James or the Nets received James Harden. They sent Karis Levert uh, and to the Indiana Pacers and Jared Allen to the Cleveland Cavaliers, along with Torian Prince. And the Rockets received Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodians Krooks, and four unprotected first round picks, picks of the Brooklyn Nets and four pick swaps. That's eight years of draft picks from the Brooklyn Nets not really sure what their future is going to be look be looking like without KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. I mean, these guys aren't going to play forever. Um, and giving away all those picks is always risky. I remember back in, I think it was 2013, when the Nets traded for Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce from the Boston Celtics, and we threw so many draft picks in the deal. Jalen Brown ended that. up coming out of that deal. That's right. And uh, – just the Nets are notoriously known for just overpaying in trades. So the question that I'm asking is, is Houston the winners of this deal? And if the Nets don't win the finals in the next three or so years, hand the trade trophy to the Houston Rockets. I mean, they just got Victor Oladipo and eight draft picks. Like Victor Oladipo is a solid basketball player. He can put up 22 points. They have John Wall. Christian Wood has been shooting the basketball amazing. They picked him up from Detroit in the offseason. And it, it's just it's just all looking good for Houston. They've got they've got a few other good players like Daniel House. I like him. Um, so I really think that if if they if if Houston can make some good draft picks with the with the Nets picks, they could be looking nice for the next couple of years. You got Karis Levert headed to Indiana, and this was the one that hit me the most because Karis Levert is one of my favorite players on the Nets. He's not he's not Kevin Durant or Kyrie, but he would come off the bench and drop 20. I think it was the last four games he dropped 20 straight points, four straight games he dropped 20 points. And going to Indiana, he's going to be playing alongside Malcolm Brogman, DeMontis Sabonis, and Miles Turner. That is a great young core. Levert's going to be stepping into a new role, so he might have to, you know, ease into it a bit. He's going to be starting at the two. He did start in the bubble for the uh, for the Nets, but I really think that team in in the future can also, you know, turn on the Jets. Overt can do it all, and he has the potential to be a top scorer in the NBA. Um, and then we shifted to Jared Allen. Jared Allen is a great shot blocker. He can throw down the basketball. And what confuses me here is, you know, I wouldn't say confused, but Cleveland has a stacked front court. They got Kevin Love returning from an injury, Andre Drummond, and JaVale McGee, and they released Don Maker. He's, you know, irrelevant. But Jared Allen 
is, is, is a great young player. And Andre Drummond is on the last year of his contract. He's making 28 million this year. So I understand it from that perspective, but it leads me to think that Andre Drummond might get moved um, this season. I mean, the, the Cavs started five and seven. Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and Kevin Love have been banged up. I really think that they can try to get some value out of him and really, you know, set up for the future because, I mean, Sexton and Garland are two great young players, and they've also got Larry Nance, who's also a good player. So I, I, I don't know how to feel about the Nets. I talked about it yesterday. It's on Instagram, and I'm, I have high hopes for them this year. I have to. So, Zach, you have anything to fill in? Yeah, I I think it's hard to find a loser in this trade for I think you won't know until two or three years down the road because with any of these teams it's it's for the future and obviously for the Nets it's winning the finals. For Houston, it's probably getting to the playoffs and competing. I don't think they're they have a final like the, I don't think they have a championship roster at the moment. Right. But I think that with those four draft picks and you look at who they have, Victor Aladipo is not going anywhere for a long time. He's going to be in the league for, you know, six or seven more years at, at minimum. So with these four first-round draft picks, Houston can really get something going down there. And, you know, on the flip side, the Nets took away their future. If this doesn't work out, which, to be honest, I would not be surprised because you're having three – players who want the ball on the same court. I mean, Katie and Kyrie worked. We saw that. That combination, that duo worked. But now adding James Harden, who is used to averaging 30 points a game, you know, he wants the ball in his hands. Kyrie is going to want the ball in his hands. And I think that could create an issue down the road for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. I mean, Kyrie has to be there first to uh, want the ball. Well, that's yeah, very he, true. He's, he's, he's a mess right now. Yeah, and and I and I totally agree with you. I mean, when Harden's on, it's like he's playing one-on-five basketball. It's nobody's stopping the guy. He wants the ball in his hands, and maybe that mindset will change when he's on Brooklyn. I mean, I don't think he's ever had to. Well, he played with Durant and Westbrook back in OKC, but Harden was yeah, a I don't six man back then, and Westbrook and Durant. I mean, Durant was really good, and Westbrook was you know on the come up. This is a lot different for James Harden. James Harden is not the guy anymore. He's one of the guys. So. I definitely think it'll take getting used to for James Harden, but I think that it's a situation that he's wanted to been he's wanted to be a part of for quite a while now. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's made that clear through post game interviews and and you know practice interviews, but. I just don't know if he's ready to take on the task. Like, because again, I think it's going to be interesting to see when this team fully comes together, how they do. I mean, they're obviously they're going to win games, you know, but there's no guarantee they even make it out of the East, to be honest. I mean, they, they still have to perform like just because they have the big three doesn't, doesn't mean they're going to make it out, you know? So It'll be it'll be a fun, you know, conference finals for on both sides in the in the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference. But I actually want to make a quick point on Jared Allen. I'm actually happy that he was traded to Cleveland because I remember, you know, he was very frustrated when DeAndre Jordan signed with the Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. because 
he was supposed to be their center. He was supposed to be their up and coming, you know, prospect. And they went out and signed Kyrie and Katie's, you know, lifelong friend. That was kind of a slap in the face for him. So I am happy that he's out of Brooklyn and he kind of gets a new start out there in Cleveland. So I'm excited to see what he can do. That's a good point. I, I, I like that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Jared Allen has had a pretty big impact on the Nets in a short time. So if he gets his role in next year, probably it's going to be, it's going to be fun because he can do a lot on the court and he's definitely one of the best young centers in the league. So let's shift our attention to the NCAA uh, national championship, the college football playoff championship. I mean, we predicted it. And I said in the last, a lot of the country thought so maybe not the betters, but Alabama just went out there and dominated. I, I, I put I put up a video on Snapchat. It was in the first quarter. And I saw Devontae Smith probably catch six passes within the first two drives. And I was like, this guy might go for 300 tonight. Like, I thought it was very possible that he could go for 300 yards. And sadly, he got injured after the first half. But his first half, oh, my goodness, 12 catches, 215 yards, and three touchdowns. That is some Madden numbers right there. He dominated. They had no chance against him. They put Sean Wade. Sean Wade was talking about how he wanted to go up against Devontae Smith. Well, that was a mistake. Devontae Smith was one step faster than everyone on Ohio State. And it was just really interesting to watch. Um, and when he was out, I thought Ohio State may have had some life, but Alabama put it away pretty fast. And, you know. Nick Saban was hoisting his, I believe, sixth championship Seven. with Alabama. Seventh. 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 Yeah. Um, I mean, Devontae Smith, it almost looked like Ohio State was so confident in their ability for some odd reason that they thought they could leave Devontae Smith in one-on-one -on -one coverage. You know, multiple times at the game, he was lined up on a middle linebacker. Devontae Smith was the best football player in college football this year the best and that wasn't you know it wasn't really close but yet you're gonna line him up with a middle linebacker who <laughs> you know first of all doesn't have the speed with Devontae Smith doesn't have the ability of Devontae Smith I mean Ohio State just let him let I mean if he would have played in the third and fourth quarter it would have been a much you know different end of the game I think it would have been a much greater score difference because you know, I know at halftime, Coach Saban said that there is no, you know, scoreboard. It's you keep scoring. It's a national championship. And, you know, it, Ohio State just – and their offense didn't even do terrible. Like, that Alabama defense is pretty good. But the defensive side just – I mean, they that first two drives, you knew the game was – like, you knew that it was going to be a shootout and Ohio State's offense had to compete and, you know – you can't really expect Ohio State's offense to put up 50 points on, on Bama's defense. Their right. de Ohio State's defense just let them down. So, Yeah, I mean, it was – when Trey Sermon went down in the, I think, first drive, I wasn't too concerned with Ohio State. I felt like they were – you know, I mean, Trey Sermon's – we talked about it in the last episode. Trey Sermon's been going crazy on the ground. But they did have Master Teague behind him. Master Teague ended up running two touchdowns, maybe three. And, you know, he's also a good running back. So I don't really think it was the Sermon injury that really put them, uh, sunk their ship. But 
my God, I mean, it wasn't just Devontae Smith. I mean, Mac Jones committed close to 70% of his passes, five touchdowns over 450 passing yards, looking like Joe Burrow from last year against my Clemson Tigers. And Mac Jones, speaking of Mac Jones, he raised his draft stock. I, I, at the start of the year, I don't even think he was projected to be a third or fourth round pick. Now, no, I think he was like a late, he was a late, late draft pick. He was going to yeah. be probably a team's going to pick him up and give him a shot, you know, right. third string quarterback. And last or, you know, Monday night, he, he said, I'm a first round pick, you know, come yeah. get me. He said, I'm going to compete. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting to see who drafts him. You know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I've seen mock drafts with him, you know, up, up in the high teens to, to 29, 30 to the second, third round. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see where he goes, but wherever he goes, I, I think it's going to be a great pickup for that team. You know, I think yeah. that he kind of reminds me of Tom Brady. You know, he has the accuracy. He, I mean, from the looks of it, has the arm strength, right. the mobility, you know, he can definitely run out of the pocket, but that's not his strength. You know, he wants to stay in the pocket as much as he can. And again, we saw what he did in Alabama. You surround him with good wide receivers. He's going to be a great quarterback. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, if I'm an NFL scout, I'd probably have more confidence in Mac Jones over Trey Lance. I mean, Trey Lance goes to North Dakota State, and Mac Jones just lit it up on the biggest stage possible. Mac Jones is the higher NFL prospect than Trey Lance. I, I believe he will be taken uh, higher than Trey Lance. And, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely going to be a fun – project I, I could call him a project because you're not really sure what you're going to get I mean Mac Jones before last year he wasn't really thought out to be anything he played for Tua when he got hurt and he played all right but Alabama didn't even crack the top four teams which was astounding I don't, maybe not even the top 10 teams at some point but another guy that played really well and has played well the entire season over 23 touchdowns this year Najee Harris wow he I, we, we, I've, I'm saying this a lot. We said it in the last podcast. Um, you know, before the season, I said that ETN probably was the best running back in college football, especially since he came back to play. But Najee Harris, you know, he may have flipped the script. He was really good the other night. He was fast. He was running through guys. And he was catching the ball out of the backfield consistently. So he's shown that he can do everything. And he's wearing the number 22. It only almost reminded me of Derrick Henry with, you know, a little less muscle. And, but Alabama dominated and everything. And, yeah, I, I'm not surprised they won the football game. No, definitely not. I think that was, that was almost predetermined, you know. I think Ohio State needed a miracle. You know, yeah. I, I am happy for Ohio State that they did get their revenge. You mm -hmm. know, not that I necessarily wanted them to win, but just to see that, you know, program the struggles they went through this year with covid it's not it wasn't it was it was not their choice to play six, to play five games for the big 10 championship you know kids want to go out and play football so when everyone was hating on them for getting lucky and getting in they proved all those people wrong by saying they can compete with the best of the best teams so i was glad to see that you know our next big point though how about bill o'brien man Going you know, to Alabama as the new offensive coordinator, I mean, that is a shocker for me. I just, you know, I thought Nick Saban, it seems to me where, I mean, in the most recent years, you got Lane Kiffin, who was recruited 
you know, as an offensive coordinator from Alabama to go coach at FAU or Ole Miss, I think. Ole Miss, Ole Miss, my bad. But, you know, I think that there was another uh, offense coordinator before um, Stephen Sarkeesian that was recruited to, you know, go get a head coach. So it was interesting to me to choose Bill O'Brien, who was a former head coach, because I feel like Saban tended to stay more to the, you know, a quarterback coach, you know, bringing him up or going out and finding a previous offensive coordinator. But, you know, I'll be interested to see how Bill O'Brien does down there. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Sarkeesian's heading to Texas. I mean, Texas is always sort of in it. Might be referred to as one of the most overrated college football teams. Bill O'Brien has had a lot of history in college sports. He was with Brown at one point, and he was the head coach of Penn State in 2012 to the 2013 season. But what really, when when, when I saw this move, I thought of Bill Belichick because Bill O'Brien spent time with New, uh, New England from 2007 to 2011 as a position coach. And then he got his head coaching job or he got his head coaching job in Penn state and won four AFC South title uh, division uh, champions. There were four AFC t- titles and they brought them back to the, pl- he brought them to the playoffs four times. So he wasn't a bad coach, but that Deandre Hopkins trade, I mean, D hop, that was a horrible trade. They traded DeAndre Hopkins at the Hopkins at the beginning of the season with a rising quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and they got a a fourteen million dollar running back in David Johnson, who's coming off a bad injury in 2018. It just didn't make any sense. And then they got fired after the Texans were not playing well, and here he is, five star, yeah. Here he is, Alabama offensive coordinator. So, I mean, those AFC South division champions are they, – they did stand out to me when I did some research on him, but I, I do think this is a bit of a questionable decision because I'm not really sure how it's going to go. I think when he learns the scheme, the Nick Saban scheme, I don't know how much can go wrong. I don't think Nick Saban's going to allow him to really take over. He's the offensive coordinator. It's still Nick Saban. You got Bryce Young coming into play next year. He's really exciting. He's the top quarterback uh, recruit of the 2021 class. Uh, he's going to be exciting to watch. Um, but Alabama has a lot of key components leaving the offense. They have Mac Jones, um, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, um, Jalen Waddle. Yep. So one guy that, that's going to be there next year is John Mechie. He was a sophomore this year. You saw him in the national championship game. I think he had eight catches for 80 yards. He's, he, he's, he's got a good story. He's from Thailand, I believe. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that, you know, having Bill O'Brien there is really going to sink the ship, as I said recently. But um, it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to think of the kids who – Nick Saban's bringing in the four and five star recruits. I saw a TikTok earlier today that says every recruit that Nick Saban has has brought to Alabama has won a national championship. And that stuck with me because you look back at it, he's won, you know, if you every three years, he's won at least one national championship. And that's what makes, you know, kids got to stay in college for three years. So that's actually really cool to think about. Um, But yeah, I just, I think Bill O'Brien definitely gets help with the recruiting process there. You know, 
any big, you know, recruit, big offensive or defensive recruit, you know, Alabama's probably up there on their list. Um, so, you know, Bill O'Brien definitely has a couple, you know, options once he gets down there between uh, John Mechie and Bryce Young. But yeah. it'll be interesting to see how he does next year. Yeah, and he can't trade any of his star players anymore. So, I mean. That is very true. So, if we're going to look at the NFL, we're going to talk about the playoffs in the next episode. But let's let's look at the grand scheme of things. Look, let's look at behind the scenes. Doug Peterson, I mean, Zach, the first thing I have to ask you is how do you feel about the your Philadelphia Eagles firing Doug Peterson? Um, I think my honest my honest first reaction was a little bit surprised because I knew that, you know, two or three weeks before the day he got fired, it was a lot of, you know, praising Peterson for, for getting through the struggles and that he would bet he would be back next year and they're gonna kinda they're gonna give him a fresh start. And he was, you know, he obviously had some meetings with the owner, Jeff Lurie, um, you know, throughout the week after they were eliminated from the, or, you know, after the Washington football team game. And from what I read, it was just Peterson was on a completely different level. You know, he wanted to pretty much keep what they had there and just keep, you know, running it back each year. And Jeff Lurie wants to, he understands that, this team probably their best shot at winning a, you know, Super Bowl in the next, you know, five to 10 years, it's going to be a rebuild. And with them not connecting on the same page, it was just, it was the best thing to go to let Doug, to, it was the best thing for them to let Doug Peterson go. So, I mean, I think that there's definitely better options out there. I think with Peterson, his first couple of years, coaches didn't know how to co- like coach against him because he was so new to the league. You know, he was a fresh start, um, at, at least as a head coach. But once teams started figuring out how his, you know, offense worked, because he became the play caller this year. And, I mean, the offensive play calling was horrendous, you know, with Wentz especially. And Hurts got a little bit better, but but still nothing special. Teams figured out how to stop him, and it was just – it was all over from there. So I do think it's good for the Eagles to get that fresh start, especially with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback. No, I would pray to God that they can somehow convince Lincoln Riley to leave Oklahoma. And, you know, he's probably our top target along with, I would say, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is definitely up there. Um, but if we can somehow convince Lincoln Riley to leave and, and come coach Jalen Hurts in the NFL, I mean, that'd be a, that'd be a miracle right there. But I find yeah. it hard to believe that he's going to leave, leave yeah. Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I mean, those those college coaches, they do get paid a lot of money. So you really have to send them an enticing offer to come to the NFL. I mean, I you, you hear about, I mean, we'll get to later, Urban Meyer recently signed by the uh, Jaguars today. But before that Washington football, uh, Washington, Washington football team game, I, I thought that Peterson was returning. I was reading articles. They said it before the game that the general conception was that he was coming back. But then after his decision to play Sudfeld, that just fell through. And we were sitting on Instagram Live watching the game together, and we were besides ourselves. I know you're an Eagles fan. You probably wanted the better draft pick. But Jalen Hurts, he was on the sideline shaking his head. You had Miles Sanders go on on, on a radio show and talk about it. Jalen Hurts is standing on the sideline upset. Why would you upset your 
likely future quarterback like that. And wouldn't, wouldn't you want to see if he can come back on a Sunday night football game when everybody is watching like that? It just made no sense to me. And like, it made no sense to anybody. And, th- and that, and that's what got Doug Peterson fired because no one could back him up. Who could back him up? You tanking, you can't defend tanking unless you're, you know, an ignorant, you know, biased fan. No one in the industry is going to, you know, promote tanking. I wouldn't think, but, and then it brings the question, does this mean Carson Wentz wants to go? I, I do think it's going to be, you know, a head coaching thing. If, if the head coach sees that Wentz is the starter next year, which I doubt, excuse me, which I doubt, I, I do not think that Carson Wentz will be the Eagles starting quarterback next year, but there is a chance. And, you know, got to think about potential landing spots. I mean, his Doug is this uh, relationship with Doug Peterson fell completely through. We saw that there were pictures on Instagram showing, you know, Doug Peterson giving Carson Wentz snarky looks and maybe that wasn't all true, but you know, I, when I think Carson Wentz, I think Indianapolis, I think Chicago, or I think new England and new England's what really stands out to me. Me and Zach were talking before the show and we brought up, the, uh, his contract situation and Carson Wentz is making an absurd amount of money. Terrible deal. Terrible yeah. deal. That Terrible. was the, I mean, when they assigned, when they gave Carson the deal, he was playing at a level that they expected to continue. You know, they thought that he was going to be a top five quarterback and that he was going to, you know, be this new wave of quarterbacks in the league who were mobile, who were, you know, passing threats, but, I mean, he just never, you know, after that torn ACL, you could say he never got back in a stride. And whether that was because the Eagles rushed him, you know, back because they were they were wanting to win at that time or because, you know, Carson just lost his swagger. You know, I don't know. But that four million or the hundred twenty eight million dollar deal, I mean, so much of that guaranteed. And for a person who was coming on fairly certain the deal was completed after his torn ACL. Mm. So, you know, you see the injuries and you still are willing to give him that much guaranteed money. I mean, I just, I think it's a bad deal and it's going to come back to hurt the Eagles, especially now because any trades they make, the cap hit is going to go in the Eagles unless a team like the Colts and probably like the Bears are willing to take on you know, his entire contract. I don't think Bill Bell, I think Bill Belichick is a smart enough head coach to realize that if we wait a year or two, his cap hit goes down and then we can take that contract on when he's got a year or two left and, you know, go all in and re-sign him if he has a good year instead of, you know, buying him now and giving up a lot of assets and, you know, have still, still having to pay that hefty contract. So, you know, I think he'll end up in Indianapolis, to be honest. I think that the Eagles are going to complete something this offseason. I think it'll involve uh, probably a player player two and then probably a pick or two. I don't think they're going to get as much as they want because Indianapolis will take some of Carson Wentz's salary off the Eagles' hands. But, you know, it'll be, it'll be bittersweet, to be honest, as an Eagles fan to see Carson go. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure. I'm going to have to, you know – step into this this debate here and say that 
New England Patriots, they want to win. Bill Belichick doesn't want to go seven and nine and miss the playoffs again because Bill doesn't do that. You know, Bill Belichick's the best coach ever. I don't care that he had Tom Brady. He's the best coach ever. Um, And I think what they could do is eat half of Wentz's contract. And, you know, I think that would probably level out the deal a little bit. And you bring in Carson Wentz. And I also think you go out and sign Zach Ertz because New England's tight end situation has been abysmal. I mean, they haven't had any tight ends since that Super Bowl against the Rams with Gronk. Once Gronk left, you had Ryan Izzo. You had, I think, Ben Watson was playing tight end for them at one point. And yeah, it's... There's, there's nobody there. They always relied on Gronk. Gronk was always their guy. He was, you know, even if he was banged up, he was on the field. Yeah. So they never had to have that backup option or they never had to have that good of a backup option. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, again, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I think if you're in New England, you bring in the two buddies, you, you, you trade for Wentz and you bring in Ertz and you might have a team next year with some uh, help in free agency. Um. So speaking of potential landing spots, it came out earlier in the week that Deshaun Watson may want out of Houston. And personally, I am Deshaun Watson's my favorite player in the NFL. Uh, I'm a big Clemson Tiger fan. I watched him all the way through college, the national championship, throw to Renfro to win it. I was going out of my mind at 1230 in the morning. Deshaun Watson got to the NFL and produced right from there, got injured, came back and, you know, He's still the same guy. He's, he's still the same awesome player. And Houston, I mean, we heard J.J. Watt, NFL mic'd up, said, we wasted another one of your years, Deshaun. And he's totally right. Deshaun Watson is not going to be, you know, Deshaun Watson for the next 15 years. He's, he's going to have, you know, a window of his, you know, prime years. And I don't think that will come with Houston. We, we talked about Bill O'Brien's dumb trade with DeAndre Hopkins, and that really – that must have really upset Deshaun because Deshaun's coming into the year, excuse me, and he's thinking, I got DeAndre Hopkins, I got Will Fuller, I got Brandon Cooks. But I got targets. Yeah, he's got targets. I mean, maybe not Brandon Cooks yet, but definitely Will Fuller. So then when Hopkins gets traded, and then you hear later in the year that Will Fuller was caught for taking steroids, PEDs, like, could Deshaun Watson get any more unlucky? He gets Brandon Cooks 1,000 yards, over 1,000 yards. Brandon Cooks had a great year. He stayed on the field the whole year and was Deshaun's main guy. But, you know, it was really transparent that something like this may happen when DeAndre Hopkins was traded. So Watson led the league in passing yards last year, and that that probably speaks to, you know, they were always playing from behind. But Watson made everyone better around him. I think they had a receiver named Chad Hansen who I'd never heard of but I think he put up a couple of nice games at the, uh, down the stretch. So you know, Deshaun Washington's just one of those, he's a top five quarterback. You think of players that can really change the game. We saw in Buffalo or that but Buffalo uh, wildcard game last year where he got spun around and somehow made it out. He looked like Eli Manning delivered yeah. the over the middle to Tyree. A uh, little more, you know, agile, but Deshaun Watson is a playmaker and anyone who, Anyone who can, you know, get their hands on him is very lucky because Deshaun Watson's a generational talent. And I don't use that phrase lightly. Uh, 
I think three potential landing spots. You got Pittsburgh, Miami, and the Jets. So we'll go through those three teams. I mean, Big Ben, it's it, 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 it's reported that he wants to stay in Pittsburgh, but the ball is in the Steelers' hands, or Steelers' court. Uh, excuse me. I I don't think I don't think this, his chances are very great going to uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, the Steelers coming off that brutal loss, which we'll get to more uh, tomorrow, but. I don't really see it. They don't really seem like an organization that has enough to get Deshaun Watson. Uh, Miami, you know, you got to a Tiger Vailoa. What are you going to do with him? Did he play well enough to, you know, make you think, all right, he's our guy. They, they, they played him so early last year because they wanted to get an idea of what kind of quarterback he is in the NFL. And I, I, I don't think he played that bad. And I think a lot of people are overreacting. I mean, this guy, this guy is not having injury issues. That was the one hit on him. Why is Tua Tagovailoa this big, oh, my God, he stinks? Because I, I don't understand that. I was seeing Justin Fields to the Dolphins. Like, I, I don't understand all of this, you know, banter about Tua Tagovailoa. It doesn't make any sense. And then the Jets. I mean, they clearly have the draft pick to get Deshaun Watson, the number two overall. It, it could take away from the fact that they didn't get Trevor Lawrence. But – I mean, I think the Jets could really make a run from him. You know, you do got Sam Darnold, but if you could package Sam Darnold and a, and a couple picks, I think you make the deal happen. I think Sam Darnold could thrive with the right people around him uh, in Houston. So what do you think? Yeah. Where do you think definitely. ends up? I mean, to be honest, I think he will end up at Miami. I know you just said that. I don't know why people are overreacting about Tua, but, you know, I was reading that the issue – wasn't about how he was playing it was how he was developing mm. and the Miami was hoping that he would you know improve his skills improve his reads improve his football IQ as the season went on and they they weren't able to see that you know that's why in late game situations they couldn't trust him they had to bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick because they couldn't trust Tua to make the right reads to make the right throws and that's a big thing you know if he's supposed to if two was supposed to be the franchise quarterback down there, you know, you only have Ryan Fitzpatrick for how many years, you know, when he's probably one of the veteran, I mean, he's one of the veteran quarterbacks who can teach Tua a lot about the game, you know, and I just, I hope Tua works out, you know, whether it's in Miami, you know, but I do think that if a trade is to happen between the Texans and uh, the Dolphins, I think that they would ship Tua to Houston. I think that they would be a, a Tua for Deshaun Watson kind of trade with obviously some picks involved. But, you know, I think that trade would benefit both teams. I think Miami is more in a situation to win. And I think they have, you know, through this draft, if they don't give up their, their third overall pick, you know, they – third overall pick, yeah. They, uh, you know, they have a really good, strong foundation to possibly compete for a playoff. And we saw them this year they just missed out on the playoffs. And, you know, Houston is still kind of just in the rebuilding phase. So I think that if, you know, Tua goes there, he can kind of work with a team that needs to be more developed and needs more time to, to get under their feet. So I think, you know, Miami's the best landing spot for Deshaun Watson. Okay. I mean, I, I respect your opinion. And Miami and Houston does have some uh, trade history. They did uh, – Miami dealt Laramie Tunsil, um, all-pro left tackle – to Houston for a first round pick. 
for a lot of picks. That's so, yeah. The my the third round pick this year is uh, the Texans. Right. So, and and, and from, they, that, from that pencil deal. Yeah, and, and and the Dolphins knew all along that, I mean, it all links back to Deshaun Watson. When DeAndre Hopkins was traded, they knew that the, the, the Texans weren't in a win mode, and they didn't even have a draft pick this year. So Miami knew what they had. And it's pretty crazy to me that people are, you know, calling out Tua after, you know, going six and three. I mean, it's a pretty good record. He didn't play very well in that Oakland game. He was taken out. They still ended up winning the game. So there's a lot, there's a lot to, you know, take out of this. I mean, Deshaun Watson, like I said, I mean, anyone, anyone he goes to, he's going to make an impact immediately and make that team a contender. So I mentioned earlier, Urban Meyer is going to Jacksonville. I mean, they're finalizing a deal and this is pretty exciting. You bring in one of the better college coaches. I mean, he's been out of the, out of the uh, NCAA for, I think, two years now. Ryan Day filled in for him. Uh, he's been working, I think, on Fox Sports. And it looks like they, they, they finally were able to make a deal with him. And Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. So you got Urban Meyer and you got Trevor Lawrence. What do you think about this? I, I, I think that this is going to be a solid one-two combo. I, Urban Meyer, obviously knows what he's doing probably more than Doug Marone and he's going to know how to develop a quarterback granted you know his quarterbacks over time with you know in Florida with Tim Tebow then Cardell Jones and Braxton Miller then JT Barrett I mean that's not the sexiest list of quarterbacks but I mean the guy definitely knows what he's doing what are your thoughts yeah I think that's a great combination Similar to a Miami situation with Deshaun Watson, uh, Jacksonville's got wide receivers. Um, you know, they've got uh, DJ Shark, um, Chanel Jr., uh, Keelan Cole. Keen, yeah, uh, Keenan Cole. You know, they've got targets that, even with James Robinson, you know, I yeah. think this offense can be a very good offense with Trevor Lawrence yeah. and Urban Meyer. Um, you know, I think it's going to come down to the defense in Jacksonville, to be honest. I think that, you know, in the NFL, you got to play defense. If you don't play defense, you're not going to win games. But this offense is going to be scary with uh, with, uh, with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. I'm excited to watch it. Me too. Yeah, James Robinson, I mean, had a great season. He's one of – I mean, there aren't too many workhorse running backs in the NFL, and it might be because Jacksonville literally has nobody else to run the ball. But James Robinson – you know, came onto the scene last year and, and did his job. And he's really exciting. Uh, like you said, Shark, Chanel, and Cole. I think they can go in free agency and add another wide receiver just, you know, to solidify that. I don't think it's going to be a Godwin or a Robinson, but I do think they could get someone who's going to make an impact, maybe like a Corey Davis, someone around there. Um, so, yeah, but I, I do agree. Jacksonville's defense is horrible. I'm looking at their games. Uh, I know they weren't really trying, but, you know, you got 31 points to the Titans, 40 points to the Ravens, 41 points to the Bears, 28 to the Colts, 27 yeah. to the Vikings. It's it's crazy to me how they, they were in the AFC championship game in 2017. Like, it, it's it's crazy. Like, Bortles at the helm. And look well, at yeah, them. but you look at look at who, who's on the team, 2017, Fournette, Bortles, I mean, Ramsey. Al Robinson. I mean, yeah, they had – you know, that team is so good, and they just 
you know, I mean, obviously they kind of really all played really, really well that year. But again, I mean, that happens and there's no guarantee that it was going to happen again. But there's also, you know, nothing, nothing saying that it wasn't going to happen again. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. And Jackson, the Jacksonville's defenses have a few bright spots. I think they uh, signed Joe Schobert or Scobert in the offseason. CJ Henderson, they drafted. Um, and Miles Jack. Miles Jack's one of the more hard-hitting linebackers in the league, and Josh Allen off the edge. Josh Allen's a special guy. Um, so, like you said, defense is really what makes or breaks the Jaguars. And if if they can't put a defense around Trevor Lawrence, I don't see how the Jaguars win them more than five games next year. I, I don't. So no, I agree. Well, I I I think this was a pretty good second episode. I mean, first episode was full of NFL playoff. And then today we've got all of this sports news or to this week. We've got all this sports news. It's, it's fun to be a sports fan right now. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be releasing the NFL divisional playoff special tomorrow or Saturday. And the social media links are in the description below. And yeah. Thanks Anything for watching else? guys. We yep. appreciate it. All right. Peace.